this week on Deep Night. Uh, of course, I think we can all agree that there is nothing more urgent or vital than a podcast taping. <laughs> Given everything that's going on, isn't it true? Oh, friends, hello, it's me, Dale Seaver, your host and astroplane projectionist, taking you through this, the hour of regrets and revelations, the liminal space we call the Deep Night. We come to you as we always do from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And tonight on the program, we have a special live show for you, recorded at the 16th annual SF Sketchfest, brought to you by Audible. I do have a little fun with Audible at the top of the show, but they're a terrific company with thousands of great audio titles to choose from, so do what they do and put a book in your ear. As the saying goes, I had a wonderful time at SF Sketchfest. And uh, I will say this, though. I came back with a little bit of a tick. Maybe you can hear it. A little bit of a tickle. A little bit of a scratch. I think I walked into a sneeze, as one so often does when on an aeroplane. You can see that somebody's kind of wheezing, and you think, oh, please, no. And then they <clears throat> and they sneeze, and then you walk into it, and you just say, well, this is going to do it. This is the one. This is the person that gives me the cold. You can sense it. Your body knows. It can sense the germs. But I did have a great time at SF Sketchfest, so uh, I've just been trying to recover, you know, and get my sleep back in. But you know what the secret is to a great experience at SF Sketchfest? And you might not know this just from the outside, but if you're in it, how to make the most of it? Ride the elevator. <laughs> of course, I stayed at the glamorous secluded hotel where all the stars are. And every day without fail on my way to damp yoga at the Japantown YMCA, I'd bump into a comedy legend. Why, look here. Ron Funches all bundled up in his hoodie. Scott Ackerman checking his phone in his hoodie. Flo from the Progressive Commercials. Stephanie Courtney is her name, who could not have been sweeter to me, dashing off to a show in her hoodie. I tell you this, comedy loves comfort. I also had the good fortune to run into Jackie Cation of the Dork, Dork Forest and a great stand-up, and uh, that's a podcast, The Dork Forest, that she runs, and Lorraine Newman, oh, the great and terrific uh, actor uh, from SNL, many, many voice uh, projects. Um, I had just seen Lorraine in a tribute to Fred Willard. Does it get any better than Fred Willard? I don't think they're just the best. I adore the guy. He's also maybe a little bit too close to my Uncle Dannon. Something about those uh, two, I tell you, two peas in a pod. <laughs> a very strange off-kilter pod, <laughs> but, but they're in it. Anyway, Jackie and I uh, got to visit a little bit as I was waiting for my Uber, and I Ubered all over that town. I gather there's some political strife with them, but what am I going to do, take the pink mustache people? Ah, uh, no, sorry, I don't trust you. I want to feel like a star, not just like I just moved into a garden apartment in the Lower Hate with eight other recent art school grads stocking up on ramen noodles and using hot dog buns for all my bread and sandwich needs. You ever have a hot dog bun bread pudding? I have. I'm not going back to those days, folks. Make mine UberX. This podcaster rides solo. It was a terrific time of it at the festival, and I rode a wave of marchers right to the venue as a protest lit up the night. We did our little show, and then afterwards I had a celebratory drink with some old friends. Getting older, most of them, I might add, and then we all raced out into the rain 
to join the demonstrations. It had mostly dissipated into a loose mob of people dodging puddles and stepping over discarded signs, turning to pulp in the heavy downpour. But you still had the overwhelming sense that for a moment things could be better. I've made no bones about how unexcited I am about this current fella in the big house. I'm almost as upset about Tugger Firmoil being elected meditation leader, but Tugger isn't responsible for the Supreme Court or health care, so I guess a teensy bit more annoyed at POTUS. But according to his logic, we had over a thousand people in attendance at our show, the most who ever attended a podcast taping in history. <laughs> what are facts? We did have a nice crowd, though, and I should warn you that for whatever reason, um, we had some sound issues. There was some popping. Uh, there was some echoing at some point. And what I've done is I, I've gone in and I've tried to mm, smooth that out, you know, trying to take some of those things out because I, I don't want them uh, to be too hard on your ears. But I left one in just so you knew that we were uh, dealing with something and, uh, and because we had a kind of uh, a funny moment afterwards. So that's still in there. I love talking with this group. Yeah, you'll see that. Uh, they each represent a little ray of hope going forward. In this time, I tell you what, we're not going to let up the pressure. We're going to still find the uh, laughter as best we can. And I tell you, Phil Ross and his mushrooms are going to be the salvation for all of us. So tune into what he's doing. Watch for it. We passed around a number of the samples. And if you're curious about what these things look like, I would go on to his website, mycoworks.com, M-Y-C-O, works. Uh, dot com and, and check it out. Look what look what all the things that he's doing on there. Jenny Zagrino and Allie Gertz, fantastic, just fantastic as well. And you're sure to hear a lot from them in the years to come. My thanks also to the band John and also John who stepped in for an injured Lisa Mesacapa. I always know if the band's laughing that I'm onto something. <laughs> The band and the waitstaff. If a bartender comes up out of the and says, "Hey man, nice show," I feel a little better about things and. Um, I'm glad that he did, because at some point you'll hear him mixing a very involved drink <laughs> in the back. Such are the acoustics of Piano Fight. But uh, that's that's what you do. You do a, a gig in a bar. and uh, uh, Thanks also to SF Sketchfest and Cole, David, and Janet for having me. Let's now go to a very special time on a rainy early evening in San Francisco for a live presentation, one that can only happen in the deep night. Goodness, hello, and welcome to the Deep Night. <laughs> I am your host, Dale Seaver, and let me be your guide, your protest poster that you downloaded into a PDF, your vehicle to smash the patriarchy. <laughs> We're all here together. Thank you for marching over. It's wonderful. Another here we are for another live hour of regrets and revelations. Yes, here we are in the deep night at the deep night hour of 4.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> Perfect time for comedy to happen. It's exciting to be here, of course, a piano fight. Uh, we are here as part of the uh, SF 16th annual SF Sketch Fest. Uh, brought to you, yes, give them a round of applause. Brought to you... Yes, that's adequate. That's adequate. Uh, <laughs> I had to make my own badge, so that's adequate. Uh, we're brought to you uh, this year by Audible. 
Uh, Audible is one of those places that has audio books. There's so many audio books and audio material that you can listen to. Why, it's wonderful. I myself downloaded a, a book recently about the uncaring nature of owls as read by Werner Herzog. <laughs> the snow owl has no remorse is one of the lines from that. I love audible.com because books are gross and reading is gross and hard. Audible. Yes, we thank them. Uh, it's so exciting to be here. Uh, of course, I think we can all agree that there is nothing more urgent or vital than a podcast taping. Given everything that's going on, isn't it true? Uh, yes, the recent political tumult has caused a lot of anxiety, and a lot of us are feeling things. Uh, my wife, Galinda, is uh, very upset. She's been inconsolable these last couple of months. She's uh, knitted herself inside of a Himalayan sleep sack that's shaped like a giant lady part. You know which one. She's replaced all of the family photos with George O'Keefe prints. Uh, and she's even taken the little rake to, uh, uh, to spell out pussy grabs back in the Zen Buddhist sand tray that we have. So it's very, there's a lot of feelings that we're having. Yes, I remarried. I know. I didn't mean to bury the lead. Some of you are like, that's not what his wife's name was. No, well, I remarried. I didn't think I was going to, but I did. And I'm not saying you have to be married to be happy, but my wife, Galinda, is very wealthy. And I know what you're thinking, but Dale, you're a podcaster. And don't you just swim in gold doubloons from podcasting? <laughs> yes, it's very great. But uh, she is an energy healer. Okay, she sees vortexes. And other people believe in that and will pay her a lot of money to show up. So I said yes. Now, uh, uh, yes, I'll tell the story of how we met. Uh, she uh, is an energy healer. We met at a lamb ranch in Sun Valley, Idaho, on the edge of the Craters of the Moon National Monument. And when an energy healer approaches you in a Patagonia vest and chunky jewelry in uh, Sun Valley, Idaho, at the edge of the Craters of the Moon National Monument, well, you say yes, and you go for it, and you upend your whole life. And if she says, quit your job, you say, fine. And if she buys you a whole new wardrobe, you say, black is slimming. Now, the amulet that I'm wearing tonight is uh, something that I already had uh, because I went to a theme party back in the 90s. The theme was cults. And uh, it was a lot of fun, and we ended up meeting for years after. We got a nice little property upstate. We all lived together and uh, did chores and shared lovers, and uh, it went on for quite a while. I bought a great pair of clean white sneakers, and we would all stand outside waiting for a comet to pass. And the lesson there is be careful at parties. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you don't know where it's going to lead. But uh, I'm happy that my life has led me here, and it's uh, led me to find Galinda. She's magnificent. She has long, long hair, you know, in the salt and pepper is how it would be described if someone had never seen pepper before. It's just salt. It's just a very it's gray. <laughs> she's very long. And uh, she's, uh, it's wonderful to be with someone uh, again and live with someone again because you're reminded of how great it is uh, when you lived alone. There's little things that she does <laughs> that just 
trigger you, you know, and it keeps perspective for you. Have you ever been with someone that has long hair, a man or a woman, it doesn't matter, and they do this? It's a lot of this, and then you know what happens, then they do this. What do you think happens to that hair? There's no, like, knee-level heat shield that just burns it as it goes into reentry. The hair falls onto the floor, and then I am forced to deal with it. Okay, that's a pile, and that's, a li- that's okay if you're on BART, right? If you're at a taqueria, sure, let it out. But when you're in the home, you know, and you don't wear shoes, because one shouldn't wear shoes in the home, you get a lot of hair. I'm just saying it's great to be reminded that uh, relationships are difficult. <laughs> but here it is, and I'm doing it. Yay. But she's uh, terrific. We have a lot of fun together. We just laugh, I tell you. We do. But it's so uh, wonderful to be away from her at this, <laughs> at this moment. Uh, we lot of time apart, which is healthy, and uh, I love being here in San Francisco. Oh, I've been to all the cities, Reno, Ukiah, Kettleman City. This is the best out of those. (laughs) This is definitely the tops, and I think if you could just find a way to level out those hills, you'd really be onto something out here. Of course, then it would be impossible to find an affordable apartment, but what can you do? I love to walk here, and oh, I love to walk down the great boulevards that you have. Oh, the classic streets of San Francisco. Here's Eddie. Here's Turk. Van Ness. Oh, is there a more glorious boulevard? The Grand Dam of San Francisco. The essential bit there. You have to walk all the way up and all the way down, and then if you're so fortunate to travel south of the border, South Venice. And it just keeps going. It's magnificent. But I love to walk because I love to eat in this city. Uh, I do. There's so many wonderful options. Then the other day I was walking and I said, well, I'm going to get a piece of uh, food for lunch. That's how I describe lunch. It's a piece of food. And so I went in there and I spent $25 on a flatbread. Do you know what a flatbread is, ladies and gentlemen? That's a lazy piece of bread. That's a bread that could not be bothered to do its only thing, which is to rise. Hey, bread, we got to do sandwich. Nah. That's the flatbread's response. But no, we've got to get another piece of bread that can go on top, hold everything together. Uh, Not interested. That's a pass for me. Just put a fork next to it. Just pile some stuff on me. That's fine. That'll be okay. I know what you're thinking. What about pizza? Pizza's different. Pizza's not. They melge with all the other things. And don't we weep for what's happened to pizza, ladies and gentlemen, having its own self stuffed into itself now. You have a whole crust full of its own business right there. In the, it's very hard for that. And we feel, but we mustn't lose focus and, and get distracted on these things that are of small consequence. No, a lot's going on in the world. <laughs> A lot's happening. We have to stay laser-focused on everything. Yes. Uh, Well, let's just do, because this is a great group of people and you all look wonderful and you all look ready to receive some comedy, I want to do a quick centering exercise, if you will, with me. This is one of the things we do at our meditation retreats and it's always very popular. So if you can just sit still, attain some kind of stillness, you may close your eyes if you wish. It's up to you. But I'm doing a lot of physical stuff, so you may want to keep your eye on the prize. But the fact is, you get your... 
eyes closed and just focus on your breathing and how you're sitting in this chair. Oh, what a nice wooden chair with the pad. That's nice that it has the, the little stuff. Is someone upholstered that? Yes. Feel the weight of gravity pushing on your body into that chair as the earth also receives it and pushes back and holds you in that place in space on this spinning ball. Now go deep inside your body and imagine those organs sloshing around in there, all those watery bits doing their thing. And imagine all the cells, all the tiny, tiny cells, knowing exactly what to do to form those things. So simple, so, so simple, like my cousin Dinald. Imagine all of your body full of my cousin Dinald, just kind of doing their thing, not very bright, unmotivated, not unlike a flatbread, and just all in there. There they are, and all the cells that are making up your skin, and they're there, and they're covering up our hideous bones, our hideous, hideous bones, aren't they? Yes, they're gross bones, the skin doing the good work to keep us from being scared every morning when we look in the mirror. And now you're fully centered. Open your eyes and come back and let's have a wonderful show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a great one for you. Speaking of hideous bones, how about the band over here tonight? We've got a, a stellar duo, John and also John. Couple of Johns ready for the Women's March. Nice to see you. Thank you for being here. This is uh, terribly exciting. Uh, I think we're going to get going with everything. You guys okay? You good? Yep. All right. Now, which one of you is Lisa? <laughs> no, I know. Lisa was the bassist. She was going to be here, but she hurt her back. And when you play the bass, you can't get around town with a hurt back. So we wish her well, don't we? And we're happy to have you guys here because you're doing great. And... What does a bass bring to the picture, anyhow? Okay. <laughs> Any bass fans here tonight? No. Okay. Uh, my first guest, this is terribly exciting. Uh, she's a, a great a comedian and a wonderful actor, and maybe you've caught her in the major motion picture Bad Santa 2, or uh, also Fifty Shades of Black. She was also on the television program Conan. Please welcome Jenny Zagrino. Jenny, come on up. This is that. Look at that hand. You got a mic? Hello. Hello. Hi. Ah, yes. Nice to see you, nice Jenny. Nice to look at you. Thank you. Very, oh, my All right. Gosh. Great. Is that Fireworks the... already. Wow. <laughs> Let's clear this table oh, and get to work, this was, uh, That's the crystals happening for us. It's really <laughs> amplifying. That's what quartz is. It's an amplifier. So uh, you're, you're doing good? You're here in San Francisco for yeah. the Sketch Fest? Did you participate in any of the rallies and marches that are happening? I did. I just came from the protest, uh, yep. made a sign. It's over there. I oh, didn't think yeah. it was appropriate to bring it up, but <laughs> marched for about 10 minutes and then had to leave to come back here. So. That's probably a fair I, amount yeah, of time. 10 minutes. I think I did my patriotic duty as you a woman. Yep. 10 minutes. It's more than any man's given me. What? Oh. Hey. Oh. hey. <laughs> okay, we're good now. We're good. Poppity pop, pop, pop. There it is again. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, that's so wonderful. Well, I, I'm glad that you're participating in democracy. 
And uh, now you, uh, I wanted to talk to you about a specific thing because okay. I think as we go through this evening, ladies and gentlemen, all of my guests have very specific passions and great curiosity about things. And they've pursued things very, very deeply and intently. So now, Jenny, at some point you wanted to become a comic book artist? I did. You I went to art school? I, I went to arts high school and art school. Oh, that's a double. I know, double whammy of yeah. uh, pretentiousness at a young age. You, so. you really? didn't like math. <laughs> I, I have a, just so everyone knows, I didn't pass algebra too. Yeah. That's how bad I am at math. No yeah. Good. And then, but my arts high school is like, whatever. Exactly. You're not going to use it. Exactly. Doing whatever art you do. Math so. is irrelevant, as we've all seen. Yeah. It's pro proven time like, and not, time I'm again. I'm not telling rocket ships where to go, okay? Thank you. No. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you around that time, I'm not sure if it's when uh, comedy intersected with that, I'm not sure where that happened for you, but at some point you were a historical reenactor. Yes. Uh, yes. When I lived, so I'm from Minnesota, and we have, we had, it's not as good anymore, but we had a really great Renaissance Festival, oh. and I used to work at the Renaissance Festival for yeah. many years, and then I moved on to um, being a historical reenactor in Boston on the Boston Freedom Trail dressing in colonial costumes. This is great, and so we're going to put a pin in the Ren Fair and come back to that. Okay. But the historical reenactment on the Freedom Trail, what exactly is involved in that? That's a hiking path, or you're out there in some kind of log cabin explaining butter churning? What's going on? Well, okay. First of all, I was very wealthy in colonial times, so I didn't churn my own butter. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. <laughs> Don't be a dick. Uh, so, um, I was, I was a, a loyalist. And I would go around. We had, there's a, a lovely little red brick thing in Boston that you can follow. It hits yeah. about uh, the first part of it hits about 13 different historical sites How that long are is important. It? Uh, the first part of it is about is less than a mile. It takes about an hour and a half to do with a tour that I would give because yeah. I'm great. And then the other, it's about three miles altogether. So it starts off at the Boston Common and would end at the um, uh, the old Ironsides. Boat sure. ship. Yeah. I can't even remember what it's actually called That's right okay. now. It's been a while, you guys. It's been like it's okay. That's three all right. years. It's all right. We just have, we have kind of chowder in our minds, don't we? We all yes, just our minds are full of chowder. It gets tough to think through all the clams. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, uh, uh, so you were out there. You're doing the things. As I understand it, you're attracted to both the Renaissance Fair and the uh, uh, Freedom Trail. I'm attracted to any time I get to dress up, not in like this clothing. Right. You're excited yeah. by the fashion of it. I love it. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, that's what I'm excited about, too. <laughs> uh, because uh, I've been to a Ren Fair. Sure, yeah. I went to some of those. Which and one it, did you go to? Well, I went to the ones in Pennsylvania, where the birthplace of the Renaissance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, the Northern Renaissance? Uh, that's right. Yes. Fashion, Ren Fair. I mm -hmm. was there. I won a contest. What Do you know what contest I won at the Ren Fair? Best cod piece. Thank you. That's exactly, that's so much better than what I actually won. <laughs> I know I won the gurning contest. What's the gurning? Why, it's face making, of course. <laughs> I was very popular in high school. It was great <laughs> to be there. I always liked it. But now, uh, part of the fashion that confuses me with the Renaissance, and is it one company that runs every Ren Fair? 
Um, there's a one big one yeah. that runs a ton of them. There's always a corporation behind right? entertainment, isn't there? <laughs> Even the Ren Fair. Even the Ren Even Fair. the Ren Fair is corporate scum. Do you think their offices they all dress like that? It's like <laughs> <laughs> I hope they <laughs> like do. a corporate uh, mall somewhere. They're all just walking around checking copies in their yeah. bodices. Yeah, and their bodices. Probably and not. Their That's petticoats. a silly idea, Dale. Uh, <laughs> Why would we do that? We wear regular clothes. We wore, we, wore, we wore our costumes in the office at the Freedom Trail. Oh, you did? Yeah. Did you have a bonnet? I, I did, under, under the hat, you would wear like a, kind of a bonnet. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. That sounds great. Now, with the Renaissance uh, <laughs> uh, outfit, uh, let me uh, understand this. Why was there so much of this area exposed? And I'm referring to my chest on the ladies. Cleavage? Cleavage. Uh, that, was that historically accurate? Because they certainly were not want for fabric. The rest of it was pretty covered. You, I mean, you were usually actually very covered. Like, even if you had your cleavage, you still had, like, a shawl or something covering you. Or, you know, depending on what, what part of society you were in, um, if you were wealthier, you get, didn't have to wear as much covering at the top, but you also had the most ornate gowns yeah. possible. But like all all that stuff of like you go to Ren Fair and there's like a wench with her shoulders hanging out and she's like, ooh, I'm a wench, which by the way just means waitress. Like that's all it means. Bullshit, okay? That's all that's all that's all shit. That's not historically accurate at all. And yeah. like if if you were trying to be a wench but you really meant that you were a whore or whatever. Whores were actually very covered during that time because they don't want people to recognize them in the street. Oh. So, yeah. So Look all that like shoulder shit. Yeah, they loved <laughs> mock turtlenecks were invented in the yes. 18th century. <laughs> to, to hide the whoring. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> but not too much. No, no. You want to show just a little bit. A little, little tease, a little, <laughs> little ankle little maybe, tease something of like that, that. Of those syphilis scars. Y yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but what's, what was your station within the Ren Fair, though? Um, I was just like an actor. Like, I would just run around and try to entertain people. Yeah. So I, like, created this character where I was an artist, and I would just do really horrible drawings of people and, uh, and then give it to them. And I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to take tips, though, yeah. because I was being paid a very lucrative $2 a day. I'm not shitting you. I was paid like $2 a day. But I did it for the love of it. Yes. Yeah. That, you know, that happens now when artists uh, are around the Christmas time. Yep. They give you stuff that you don't want. Yep. Yep. And we're paid $2 a day to do yep. it. It's nice that they do it. Yeah. It's nice. You won't ever see that thing again, but it's nice. Nope. But now, uh, with the, your interest, though, is within fashion. I love and, fashion. And history. And what is it that uh, co coincides between the two? Because uh, politics and fashion goes hand in hand. You see the charts where, like, the hemline is raising yeah. or lowering with the stock market prices and things. <laughs> it's, it, they're, they're linked, aren't they? I don't think with the stock market prices. <laughs> no, go back the hems, The hems would go would, during wartime... You know, oh, because okay. you had less fabric, your hem was going higher. So that fabric was going to the, to the boys. But when we're during the, the recession, uh, recently, everyone was wearing skinny jeans. And that meant that people could charge the same amount for jeans, but with less fabric. I mean, sure. Yeah. Oh, it's linked. I is it linked? Okay. I'm going to take your word for it. I'm going to send you a JPEG. <laughs> but the fact is that politics and Was this and from fashion? a Huffington Post article or something? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> My neighbor sent it to me, and I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> I, I trust everything on there. 
politics and fashion go hand in hand? Are you? I mean, they, I think they re- they do for to like a certain extent. That's the extent I'm interested in. Um. Um, so, for instance, this current moment, how do we explain what Kellyanne Conway was wearing? Oh, her like at the little inauguration. Sol- her little soldier's uniform, whatever the hell it was. It like was a very nutcracker. confusing. She yes. looked like a nutcracker. She did. A bad one. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work anymore. With cat buttons everywhere. Very large buttons. Is that what we're looking at? Is this I mean, I hope that's the future. <laughs> you that do? we all just dress like really shitty Christmas ornaments. <laughs> I want to be a broken one. I want to be <laughs> that really shitty broken one that you got when you were like a kid and it has yep. like one leg. That's what I want. That's what you, that's the hope. Yeah. Yep. Well, it seems like things are going well. Yeah, but I'm well. Jewish, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be just half a menorah? Can I just dress like a broken menorah? I don't know what can happen in Trump's America anymore, so you better be I careful. I will say the Stick drought, the Christmas the drought is over. I mean, yeah. there's kind of a... It's kind of weird to think the drought's over and Trump's president. Like, yeah. He's going to take credit for it. And, and, and no one's going to be bothered by it. They're going to be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like when uh, today he said that God uh, stopped the rain during his inauguration. Yeah. But it started it over here. So... <laughs> It's fun to live in a world of lies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Um, do you think that we'll have, instead of a Ren Fair, we'll have Trump Fairs, where everybody wears ill-fitting suits and red ties? I don't think so. No, probably not. Hopefully Renaissance not. can't last forever, No, I mean, there's it? not going to be any uh, people in like a few years. <laughs> just mutants. Just mutants. Just weird mutants, like a people. Hunting for scraps. Yeah. And they'll, pro- they'll probably, that'll probably be a corporate thing, too. They'll own it. Yeah, well, Starbucks thank, will own that. Thank goodness for stand-up, right? <sighs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, I love stand-up. It's great. We it's can all great. laugh, guys. We can all this, laugh. I will say that if he actually does do his four years, it will be great for comedy, because greatest comedy comes out of shit. Shit time. Well, it's going to be pretty far down, so that yeah. better be pretty good comedy. It's going to be really great. <laughs> it's going to be like a second coming of... Who's funny? I don't know. Yeah. We're going to get another Richard Pryor coming out. Well, it's, we, we have to end on an optimistic note, don't we? I'm, yeah, though, it's going to get good for comedy, mm-hmm. but, you know, mm-hmm. everyone else, not good. <laughs> All of us in our comedy clubs. Yeah, we're going to... The wall keeping everyone out. <laughs> The brick wall that we stand behind? That's, <laughs> that's right. Our, that's we should wall. have known. Comedians were telling us all along. <laughs> the wall Be careful. Is real. <laughs> a wall's coming. <laughs> There's some jokes about flatbread, but a yeah. wall's coming. <laughs> it's true, uh, isn't it? No health insurance. But um, um, did yeah. you get to do anything uh, typically? Because, of course, you live in L.A. now. You worked in Boston. Do you come up with Rick Jenkins and everybody there? Yeah, yeah. yeah Rick, okay. Rick is like my comedy dad. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. We say hello to Rick and salute his fine efforts, if you're <laughs> listening. Uh, uh, but then uh, you came up for the festival. Do you do anything typically in San Francisco while you're here? Um, no, I've not really been here too much. I went to a bar last week when I was here. That's pretty San Francisco. Yeah, that was about it. And then I went over to Berkeley and bought that crystal. That's a great crystal. Thank you. I mean, I'm more interested in the one next to it, though. That one's from New York. Attached to wood. You brought this from New York? How'd you get through TSA with this power? It was quite a feat. I had to endure (laughs) a big pat down. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Were they like, 
Nah, don't worry about it. It's just crystals. All right, go. <laughs> it's You're fine. Good. Let him go. He's got quartz, go. no problem. He's looking at me too long. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, Jenny, you're going to do some other shows here at the festival? I am. I'm on the uh, the dozen, the Sketchfest dozen. Sketchfest dozen? It's like the 12 uh, comedians that they've decided are like up and comers. Oh. Or something. Feels so good. I'm up and coming. You, you guys didn't are. know that. You certainly are. Well, yeah. can you stick around? I'd love to stick around. Okay, because I think you're going to like what comes next. All right. Okay. I'm Jenny Zagrino, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is an artist and an inventor and an innovative mind who I've known for a long time, and now he's doing such wonderful things that are really defining the future, and the future is mushrooms. Ladies and gentlemen, Phil Ross is here. <laughs> Phil, come on up. Ah, yes. There it is. Phil, how are you doing? I'm great. Good. Is it on? No. Yes. Yeah, there you yes. go. Yes, put that right there. We're going to talk about that soon. Uh, Phil is the co-founder of a place called MycoWorks. Now, when I first met you, I remember that you were describing in, uh, in terms of gallons of how much human waste was in your doorway down there in Market Street. <laughs> That's still going on? You still have the studio over there? Uh, no, I've moved from Market Street. Yeah. Oh, you uh, did. I think you're talking about the story. Uh, it's just about two blocks away from here. Uh, this building where I had my studio for uh, about 10 years um, here in San Francisco. And there would always be a lot of pee on the door uh, in the morning because it had this little alcove sort of thing. And here in Market Street, there aren't too many public restrooms. So this was the go-to place for everybody in the neighborhood. And one day I was waiting for a, uh, a curator to, to come, and I, I sort of s stood back about 20 feet and just kind of counted the number of people and estimated the volume of pee and just came up with a yearly thing. I think it was like 2,000 gallons a year or something. <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of pee, and yes. I guess math is relevant in that. <laughs> yeah, in that it's, it's helped me out a lot. Evan, can you deal with that little, uh, that little echo thing that's happening? I hate to uh, uh, draw you back in, but you've got a little, little extra to it, and that it's making me feel weird down here in the lower regions. But um, you know who like that? Uh, that doorway uh, is our president, because he seems to have an affinity for that. But um, now... Uh, for math? <laughs> Not for math. So uh, you... Um, <laughs> we had fun conversations then. But uh, you... Uh, then I saw your work, and you were coaxing mushrooms into shapes, uh, forms of classic works of art, photography, that kind of thing. Yes. And uh, then, the next time I saw it, you were uh, making bricks, not unlike this one here, which explain what's happening. This is a brick that you have uh, made out of a uh, mushroom. Yeah, so this kind of looks like a, a, like a cheesy, ch maybe a lot of people mistake this for a piece of cheese, like a nice rinded brie. That would be a mistake, like wouldn't it? <laughs> On the tougher side of the cheese varieties. Uh, and this was grown from agricultural waste, so things like sawdust or the leftovers of corn or you know, everything else that you don't eat or don't want, and then we grow mushrooms onto it, and then the mushrooms change that and kind of glue all those little pieces together, and then you can make stuff that's like uh, the equivalent of, um, you know, press board or oriented strand board and all these things that you'd build your houses out of, but these are grown to California organic food standards, so there's, you know, no chemistry added into it and considered to be food safe. And then we can also make these really leathery-like materials. We call this cheese toast style, uh, for those in the audience, but this is like a flexible version. And in honor of today, I brought my you know pinkish merce right here, which was made out of 
out of this, and we can hand out uh, a piece for people to... Oh, sure, yes, feel how supple this mushroom is. <laughs> Let me hand you a slice from his merce. Yes. Feel, and, the, uh, feel, feel the mushroom. Feel the supple fungus yes. that is happening. So uh, I guess, but now cheese, it does have a lot to do with fungus too, doesn't it? It grows a kind of mold. Yeah, it, that, that is also another cultured material. You know, something yeah. starts off as, as milk and then you add this thing into it and it can become cheese or yogurt and all the stuff that it wasn't, wasn't before. Yeah. But again, we don't want to mistake these for cheese. This, uh, the bricks, though, they grow together, don't they? They do, yes. So we can, you know, this is like a, a casting material, sort of like cement or plaster. So this started off as a wet mash, and I put it into a mold. And then after, you know, between three days and two weeks, it solidifies into this. And then we just bake it to make it hard. And then it's, you know, a good, for, good for building with. But now with building, with this, the, you, 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 the two pieces would grow together. Well, you can grow them together when they're alive. Like if these two chunks were alive, I could just put them, you know, touch, touch each other like that. And then after 24 hours, they would have fused together into one thing without any glue or anything like that, just by the cells actually connecting and hooking up with, with each other. And that bond is not unlike a relationship, right? Yeah, kind of smelly and, you know, maybe needs some bleach to clean it out at the end. And, uh, wow. like, uh, along your uh, earlier... Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. You, ha you have some different relationships happening. Um, but now that's strong. Is it bulletproof? Uh, it, we've done some ballistics testing on it. Uh, uh, in, informal <laughs> ones uh, with friends. Yeah. And, uh, they can stop bullets uh, at a certain point, but that's not what we're really design designing them for. That's not the primary no. function, but nice to have yes, if you're building always, a home. It's always good <laughs> for your cheese toasts. Well, we might need it. Who knows? Um, and uh, that's remarkable. So you think we'll be living in, in, in mushroom homes? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you can, you can hand these around as oh, well. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a smurfy world. We're, we're just living in it. Pass and, these bricks so around. <laughs> Again, this is not cheese. Can you eat this? It is considered food grade. You could boil it and make a tea out of it and oh. drink it if you really had to. Right. What's the flavor of that? <laughs> kind of moldy. M moldy, yeah. Uh, now, is it true that the largest uh, living organism on Earth is a, a mushroom? It's taking over most of Oregon? Yeah, the largest organism in the world is a mushroom. It uh, spans several thousand acres. It's in the Pacific Northwest, and it's uh, called Armillaria, the honey mushroom. Yeah. And uh, it weighs many times what a, what a bluebell would weigh, and it's several thousand years old. Now, that's a, a honey fungus. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I call Galinda sometimes. <laughs> I say, honey fungus, where are my keys? <laughs> honey fungus, can these crystals go in the dishwasher? We just have a lot of fun at home. We do. Now, can I pass this around too? Yeah, please. Yeah, this is almost a mouse pad if we still had those. That'd be a good, uh, uh, you know, business opportunity for you. Uh, so what, but this is almost like leather for the people at home that um, are just listening. The quality of it is very much like a leather. Now, can you make anything out of it? For instance, could you make a bodice or some kind of thing for Jenny when she returns to the Ren Fair? <laughs> yes, actually, that's, uh, that's on our plans. Uh, is to, Annie Sprinkle has requested that we provide her with a fungus bodice for the, um, for the, the Folsom Street Fair, so nobody is getting hurt unless it's all consensual. Oh, <laughs> I love San Francisco. That's the only place you hear the phrase, Annie Sprinkle has requested a fungus bodice for the Folsom Street Fair. 
God bless her. That's uh, that's amazing. And, uh, early, early adopter. Now you're making the 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 man purses. You're also making you're making clothing out of these things. We're making some prototypes. We've made shoes and bags and jacket type things and sort of anything that you would make leather out of. Um, but it it also can act as a foam, so it can replace things like vinyl and you know soft foams and all the stuff that's pretty toxic for our environment. Uh, and these things, when you're done with them, you can chip them and put it into your compost and they'll just kind of biodegrade back into nothing. They, they hold up, though, pretty much, the bags and things? Uh, yep, we're doing all the testing. We did all the testing on the hard materials, so they're comparable to things like press board and oriented strand board and all this building type of stuff, and now we're doing all the testing on this leather type stuff. So That's we have amazing. the next 18 months to clear that all That's up. That's amazing. Now, as I understand it, too, we're talking specifically about the mycelium. Yeah, so the thing that you eat that's a mushroom, it's just this teeny part of this larger organism, like that huge one that you were talking about in the Pacific Northwest. That's yes. entirely underground. It's hidden from view. And it's these, you know, when you dig into really rich earth and you see those little white threads that are connecting through, that's the mycelium. And that network can span, you know, going in all directions, uh, again, like for, for, for acres and acres and acres. And that mycelium acts as a sort of decomposition engine, doesn't it? taking all the living matter and breaking it down and uh, eating it through its many tiny fibrous mouths and uh, making the great soil that can then uh, produce other things to come back to us. Something like that. <laughs> it's nice to think about a body being consumed by hundreds of fibrous mouths, isn't it, Phil? <laughs> that's that's why I'm in it. I'm in this industry, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Not unlike those fish pedicures that you can get at various airports. Well, you know, I have taken this kind of leather while it's alive, and you can make a patch or a band-aid type of thing, and it will actually grow into the pores of your skin. It'll uh, have that intimate of a type of connection uh, with you. How, how was that horrifying. morning for you when you <laughs> woke That's up and realized what was happening? That sounds horrifying, though. Okay, I just, th th it fuses with your body? Yeah, but you already have so many fungus on your body al already. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Again, it's me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jenny you know, has you, a gift yeah, with electronics. Yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> She's from a different era. Yes, it's, 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 the, the electromagnetic <laughs> that, That's yeah, right. The, the telekinetic. Did you become part mushroom? <laughs> Um, With this? We, you know, we already are. We have so many fungus inside of our bodies. Like, we couldn't digest our food. Your eyebrows have a very rich ecology, a lot of fungus <laughs> there. Uh, your scalp has very different fungus there. Your pubes and your, you know, other body hair also has fungus that lives on it all the time. You know, there's millions of different organisms that are also part of your body uh, that you're just not aware of. And without them, we would, we would do pretty poorly in the world. Yeah. Let's talk about that some more. <laughs> The, the fungus on your pubes? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so, uh, but did the mushroom realize that part of you was growing into it? I don't... <laughs> they, they know it. I mean, they're the ones calling the shots yeah. know, anyway, so, you know, we're just... Is there any danger, the Phil, of you and Michael works uh, creating a evil fungus that attains some kind of sentient ability and then comes after us? That is our go-to market plan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's where the venture capital yes, comes exactly. in. Peter Thiel has some really awesome I bet he ideas. does. I bet he's a winner. Uh, you know, could you just slip a mushroom into somebody and then it just uh, grows onto them? Yes. You didn't think about that, did you? Now you are. Wow. 
So, eyebrows, huh? <laughs> so there's a, uh, the there's a science fiction writer who's from here, San Francisco, called Rudy Rucker. Yeah. And uh, he wrote a bunch of books called the, the Ware, the, and which, which were put together called the Ware Tetralogy. And he described these, these people who live with fungus and form these very intimate and complex relationships. And they take on this cheesy kind of smell because they don't have to deal with other people. They kind of get everything they need from the second skin. And, and they're called the moldies. And uh, that was actually the name that I wanted to call Michael Works at first. It was quickly <laughs> shut down on that one by I, better I, minds. I think they were wise. The Moldies are, they live somewhere? That was just in the science fiction. That was in the science fiction okay, thing. Okay, good. But, uh, I got confused <laughs> into what we were talking about, what was real. <laughs> I got a little bit scared that somewhere on my trip back to the hotel, I'd run into a cheese-smelling fella, and uh, we'd, have, we'd have a tough time of it. But um, so uh, this, uh, people can buy the products now? Nope. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Yep. No. We're Is not... there a danger that that bag's going to grow into your hip? No, it's dead. It's dead. <laughs> it's dead. Okay. We, we kill everything okay. before we release it. Wonderful. <laughs> kill, kill and release yes. is, our, is our motto. So, um, and then uh, it will, you know, no matter how wet this gets, it'll never come back to life. Uh, you know, so you've um, seen to it. Yes. Yep. And, and we chose this mushroom because it has the longest history of biosafety on the planet. This is going back several millennia uh, of how, how these are good for your skin and you can actually ingest them and they're even good for you if you do ingest them. And are you the first one to come up with this? Uh, I think so. That's amazing. Phil, I love it and it's giving me a hope because I think sometimes we have to think about the long game when things get uh, dark and troubling and we have to think, well, there is a future where I could potentially grow into a fungus <laughs> and um, we can, we can have a lifelong fire, companion. Yes. <laughs> But also have like a handsome satchel. Yes. <laughs> so I one que- one another question. So about the leather, the shoes, the, with this, if they get if they get wet, I mean, is it gonna then decompose on your feet? No, I mean. And then you're gonna fuse with your no with your leather shoes. No. They're dead. They're you're all dead. Gonna, it's they're all dead. They're dead. But yeah. then it's but it's biodegradable. So will it biodegrade off your feet? Uh, no, it won't. I mean, it's like, you know, like these chairs are, are all made out of wood and they've been sealed and then they get these protective coats on them because they wouldn't last a couple of years even without that. And, okay. you know, like any organic material, you have to figure out how to protect it a little bit from the environment. So, Would you guys use a really harmful toxins to Yeah, we, we coat this stuff with the worst polymers in the world just nice. to make sure that they're going to last a long time. <laughs> You know, it'd be or nice with some fiberglass block. on that. Yeah, exactly. Asbestos little, inside. You get yeah. some uh, racing stripes or something like the hot rods. You couldn't make a car out of it. You um, could. You could do anything. Yeah, is in what fact, I've learned. Uh, these are really. Um, there's a lot of pressure on car companies to come up with new foams. The state of California is going to make it prohibitively expensive and environmentally unsound to uh, put those foams in your car. Every car has, you know, an order of about 150 pounds of a foam in it uh, that's considered to be really toxic. And California is going to set this, you know, set these new laws. And as California goes, so goes the rest of the world. So the auto industry is uh, r- really wants to go green, not necessarily through their own internal pressures, but they, they are feeling it from outside. It's astounding. I love it, Phil. I'm so excited to see the progress. And uh, Michael works. You're going to, when will the products be available? You don't know? You can't say? Uh, we are going to have some things coming out with selective designers over the next year to show the capabilities of what this there thing can go. do. Uh, have it on some famous rock stars or something like that. Yeah. So it'll Not Kanye, though. <laughs> now, we were, we were wondering, like, what, would, what, if, what, if, what would Kanye do? Exactly. Yeah, we were, I mean, he likes happen? these colors and everything. Yeah. It would be fine. But. <laughs> And it well, looks like he's making potato sacks. Yeah, we've actually had meetings that are Kanye-oriented. Yeah. That. Yeah, just to sort of figure yeah. out the pros. 
Never cared for potato sack races myself. But this is great, Phil. I'm so excited. I'm going to stay tuned with Microworks and see what comes next. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Phil Ross, everybody. <laughs> Woo! Great stuff. Thank you. Just uh, stick around. Hang out there. One of those mics is sure to have some fun. All right. Well, let's bring up our, our, our final guest of the evening. She's a wonderful comedic musician. She's the host of a couple of great podcasts that we're going to talk about. And so, therefore, she's very wealthy. Uh, she's here doing a number of shows at Sketchfest. Please welcome Allie Gertz. <laughs> Allie, there you are. Nice to see you. There we are. Allie, oh. how about that? Do you have any experience with mushrooms? Uh, not like those kinds of mushrooms. <laughs> ah, not like it. any. I'm, un, I'm not very cool. No, no mushrooms for me. That's okay. I'm pretty square myself. But let's, uh, let's get into it. Um, uh, you, uh, of course, uh, we've heard a little bit of the uh, history uh, from Jenny, a little bit of the future from Phil. And uh, uh, Allie, you're representing here now the current moment because, of course, you're so uh, adept and deft with social media. That's how you rose to your, your stature on top of the Hollywood uh, pyramid right now. And, of uh, course, you, uh, you became an Internet star. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't know. <laughs> ah, <but laughs> Incorrect. Uh, you have some followers on YouTube. I have some followers on platforms. Okay. And uh, that's great. Thank but you. Th that's because you're kind of native to that world, isn't it? You produce it's a true. lot of videos. Yes. A lot of songs where it's you in the bedroom playing the guitar. Yeah. I don't usually emphasize the bedroom element of it. I'm but, sorry for playing uh, <laughs> that up. It just. But yes, in my room. When I think about, oh, how could I do that? I think, well, I got to get a bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> They're good to have. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems nice. Uh, Got to get good lighting in there, though, don't you? That is true. I actually am very uh, nerdy about lighting. I have hue lights uh, that I'm obsessed with, which you change with your phone, uh, which is another thing where I sometimes sound like I'm uh, cooler and smarter than I am to, like, people that are over 50. Yep. It's like, you could change it with your phone. It's very easy. But I, <laughs> yeah. I love them. They make my pictures look nice. Yeah, sure. And that's, hue is where they change colors. It's just yes. the hue. Yeah, yeah. I like some colors. I think if I were given the opportunity and afforded the opportunity to rethink the rainbow, I'd have some suggestions. Uh, I don't love the ones that are there. You know what I mean? Like, maybe a little less orange. Uh, I'm kind of indifferent to yellow. I'd bring up the reds, pull up the blues a little bit more. Sounds very political. Well, it's no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have more diversity. I just think there could be more shades. It's just why those? It's just, I think it could, everything has an opportunity to be better if we apply ourselves, doesn't it? I think you're right. Yes. I think you're right. So now you are a co-host of this program uh, called Everything's Coming Up Podcast which is a podcast, about the, Simps the, the Simpsons animated television program. Those Simpsons, yes. Yes. The Simpsons that have been on a very long, long time. Yes. Do you, do you, you watched all the episodes? That, well, you have guests on and, and do what? You talk through the episode? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a Simpsons podcast where we talk to um, our favorite Simpsons writers and people that have worked on the show, but then also uh, other people that we love, stand-up comedians and talent of varying sources. And uh, we ask them, what is your favorite episode of The Simpsons? And we get to listen to why it informed them and what ways and why it's so funny. And it's really fun. Yeah. Well, you if must, you like The Simpsons. You must have a... You love The Simpsons. I, I do. Yeah. 
But you must have a terrific memory for that kind of a thing, to be able to recall specific jokes and all that kind of... My wife, Galinda, can tell what movie it is just from the font or the opening credits. It's really remarkable. Some people have the mind for it. You do. Yes. Yeah. You can quote... You could quote from... If I quoted from The Simpsons, you would know it. Like if you said, uh, I carumba, I'd be like, hey, Bart said that. Okay, that one I would know. That one I would know. That one I would, I would know. That. Yeah. Because you know what album I had was Simpsons Sing the Blues. Yeah. Yeah, I got that with Columbia House. Oh, hey. Pretty cool. That's nice. Yeah. Um, you don't <laughs> maybe remember, but some of the folks here in the audience will remember when Bart Simpson first came out, he was quite a scandal. He was quite a little ne'er-do-well. <laughs> he had a lot of problems with uh, Bart Simpson. He was a bad little boy. It was a bad influence on a lot of people, and I think Spencer Gifts owes its entire business today to Bart Simpson. <laughs> Because it is at true. that point, they were floundering with the ponytail in the trucker hat and the uh, butt cheeks on the playing cards. That was their whole thing. Bart Simpson came along and saved them. Yes, we, uh, we do owe Bart Simpson a lot. Uh, Spencer's is important to each of us. <laughs> it certainly is. It always smells weird in that place. But um, <laughs> so uh, you love it, though. Do you have a favorite character of all the, all the ones, all the many, many characters? Uh, yeah, Lisa Simpson, easily my favorite character. Yeah. She seemed to... Uh, sure, the band is with you. Uh, they, <laughs> Nerds. They, she seems to have taken on... <laughs> and a musician. She plays a saxophone, doesn't she? That's what I used to play. But um, she, uh, Lisa has become kind of central to the uh, show now. I think, I think she's the real star, isn't she? She's, you know, it's interesting. She, for, you know, for those that watch the show, like, kind of as it came on, if you're a kid watching it, Bart's your favorite, um, or Homer's your favorite, because they tell the most jokes. And to be honest, um, Lisa and Marge are kind of like the nags. And then you grow up and you learn about feminism and you realize how, like, nuanced and interesting these characters are, and you rewatch them. And it's kind of like, oh, wow, they're totally my favorite characters, and they're funny in a way that I never appreciated until now. Yep. Uh, my favorite is Ralph Wiggum. That and, says a uh, lot. <laughs> he's the little boy, the police chief's son. Kind of a simpleton, isn't mm -hmm. he? Not unlike my cousin Dinald. He's the middle American character, yes. He's a middle American character? Oh, I've seen him in our great cities, too. Don't you worry. <laughs> There's a Ralph Wiggum around every corner, my friend. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> he's got a great hairstyle, too. I also love Harry Shearer as a character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he seems fun. Good old um, Harry. I don't have, see, I don't have the mind for that kind of a thing. To, to be able to go that deeply into something, I think the only thing that would be even remotely possible for me would be the television show It's a Living. <laughs> the great Angelian vehicle. Some of you remember it. They all worked in a hotel a restaurant a bar on the top, I believe. And Yeah, I should have a podcast, shouldn't I? You should. <laughs> ah, maybe I'll get one. That'd be a lot of fun, just talking about what all those gals were doing. That was a real feminist <laughs> thing, I when think, did, When did that come out? When was that? Oh, I think it was on in the 80s. Okay, that's yeah. maybe why. When TV was great. Mm. But um, <laughs> I missed good TV. I didn't get to watch any of it. <laughs> you also had a, a show about Twin Peaks. Yes. Yes, but, and that was the deal where you missed it the first time around. Cause, uh, you missed it because it, the show came out in 1991, and I also was born in 1991, so it was hard to watch as a baby. I wouldn't have gotten all the jokes. Yes, that's even hard to hear now. But um, <laughs> you, you, 
<laughs> the show came out, also kind of a scandal, and now you look back, it's like, wow, it's kind of sweet. But yes. um, at least I do. Uh, so you, you had the podcast where you're watching the episodes and then going through it again and kind of a first time through. Yeah, it was my first time. Um, obviously, people know now like what the show is about, and that it's the mystery of who killed Laura Palmer. Um, I was one of the lucky people that had never had it spoiled for me, uh, and I won't spoil it just in case you haven't seen it, but um, it was really fun. I watched it with a film critic named uh, Jeremy Smith, and uh, we did everything we could to kind of recreate what it was like. Uh, it sounds funny if you uh, aren't maybe my age or around my age, but the idea of uh, watching a show like once a week instead of binging it is kind of foreign. And so that's what we did on the show. I had to wait. I couldn't binge it. And in fact, I've had to wait an entire year to watch the movie, which I have yet to do because oh, yeah. they everyone else had to, so they're making me do it too, which is torture. I can't wait, especially since the new season's coming out. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know anything about the movie or what's coming next, but it was very fun. The movie's atrocious, and the dad... <laughs> I'll spare you. I will spare you. It is awful. It is no spoilers. absolutely awful. And uh, the dad did it, uh, for those of you. Uh, with it's, uh, I mean, you guys know. has been out a long time. It's, it's fine. They, you, don't, you don't gain anything knowing who killed Laura Palmer. Um, I once... Wait, was it really the dad? What? Was it really the dad? Yeah, I think Leland, oh, I think, did it. That's you. why his hair went white. Just follow the signs. It's not that difficult. <clears throat> there were owls in that, too. But I met, uh, I met David Lynch once uh, backstage in an event in uh, Los Angeles, California. And uh, it was very nice. He, he, he took my hand, and he, he pulled me in close, and he looked at me and said, You have a nice face! <laughs> that was the extent of our relationship, but it was really meaningful. And that I sounds took that, really nice. Yeah, I've always thought to myself, if I'm having a down day, I have a nice face. At least David Lynch thinks so. At least David Lynch. Some of the folks at the Ren Fair, when I was doing my face making, they liked it too. So what do I do? Put it on a stamp? <laughs> How do I get an agent? The point is, <laughs> the point is that uh, that was good for you. You enjoyed it, and the show's coming back, so you're excited for what's going to happen next. I'm very excited. Who are they going to kill off next? Who, who knows? knows? Although the actor who played uh, the detective, Albert, just died. Yeah. Uh, and he was my favorite character of the show, so oh. I'm a little, a little sad. Well, they'll probably put in a computer-animated version of them, and it'll yep. be great. Great. That's the best-case scenario for all actors. It kind of is. Yep. <laughs> so you're doing, but you also do uh, parody songs and that kind of thing. That's how you got your start, really? Yeah. Um, so I write nerdy love songs that are um, very, very sincere, like things that just mean a lot to me. And I've been told they're funny, which at first was kind of like, no, how dare you? These are my feelings. Uh, but I sing about like Millhouse or um, the graphic effects artist Rob Bottin because I really love practical effects. Um, and you were talking about mold. And when you said, I don't know, uh, something about like how we already are mold, I'm just like, that's a song. Like, that's beautiful. Um, you guys can So collaborate. you should write it or we could, you know, come up with can something after. Can you make after. guitar straps, Phil? You can make guitar straps yeah. easily. Well, okay, we'll get a band together. He Little said he can make a, a car, but like, no, we can't make guitar straps. <laughs> um, well, we'll get the guys together. I'll buy a van, and we can all go uh, around as a family band singing about mold and stuff. Yeah. I'm talking about mold. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, I'm not a jazz musician, but I do love it. I, but no, sure, everybody that's, not, does. that's not happening. Please yep. don't expect that from me. Um, but you do have a Rick and Morty album that's yeah, out? Yeah, so my first stuff is all acoustic, and it's all very, um, uh, like, if I could 
if I could describe myself in the way I want people to describe me, I would say it's like if Amy Mann was really depressed about Ren and Stimpy. Like, that's yeah. kind of like what my music is. It's really sad songs about cartoons. And you're like, why are you doing this? And then I say, I don't know. And then I make another one. Um, and the Rick and Morty album, um, instead of guitar, is all... Um, like synth and it's like electro pop because yeah. that's what the show does. They have a lot of really like high tech sounding songs and I kind of just wanted to write something that could be like in that world. And you have a dog album too coming out? Yeah, I'm. Um, my friends and I are just uh, asking different musicians like Nerf Herder and um, Garfunkel Notes and a few other people um, to write a song about their favorite dog from history or um, movies. And I'm I'm writing. A, some of the ones already are like Laika, the dog who went to space and died in space. That's a good dog. That was a good dog that has a very sad ending. Um, and Marmaduke. Is not a good dog. Marmaduke is an unfunny dog. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I hate that dog. It's a bad dog. <laughs> uh, I, I'm singing about the uh, Eddie from Frasier. Um, oh yeah, he's lovely. He's lovely, but I just found out that Kelsey Grammer like hates that dog, and it's such a funny story. I don't know if you guys know about this, but the actor's name is Moose, who plays Eddie, which I also think is very funny. But there's, like, uh, I just recently read uh, Kelsey Grammer's uh, memoir, and he goes on about, like, oh, people think that I hate, but imagine it in, like, his voice, which I can't do. Um, You know, people say that I hate this dog, and that's just preposterous. Uh, However, I do get annoyed when people call him an actor, because, you know, I actually can act, and I don't need someone to have, like, hot dogs on the side to get me to remember my lines. Just like, wow. (laughs) You definitely don't hate this dog at all, Kelsey. So I'm writing a song about that dog from the perspective of, like, why does my co-worker hate me? Uh, So that's the kind of weird stuff that I decide to do with my time. Oh, that's fantastic. And it's doing very well. And you're working with the At Midnight program still? Yeah, I've been there since uh, day one. And I'm the person who um, says points on Twitter. Um, That's That's what I do. a big part of that show. (laughs) It kind of is. It's kind of funny. And Jenny's going to be on it on Wednesday. Oh, great. Um, It's going to air that night. Yeah, it is. It'll air Wednesday night. At Midnight, which is now at 11.30? It's confusing. Yeah, and then uh, there's the show that comes on after it. It's Doug Benson's show, The High Court. Yeah, Um, that one's going to be fun. But for the stoners that watch that show, I think the timing and the name change is going to be really hard for them. And I'm really hoping. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we hope they all get home safe from tonight, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) Some of the ones out there here, like, oh gosh, get take a take a break. But that's. that's great. That's on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. They're keeping you employed, and you're doing some wonderful things. When the album, when do the albums come out? That's not going to be until probably um, March 1st or 2nd. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I'll set a tickler in the Outlook. Thank and we'll you. We'll wait for that to happen. And um, you're going to do some shows at Sketchfest. Yeah, uh, I'm playing tonight with uh, Drennan Davis and Zach Sherwin and a bunch of really cool uh, music comedians uh, at the Swedish American Hall. Um, it's called great. Imaginary Radio Program. Well, that's not unlike this. It's un- it is unlike this. <laughs> In my mind. <laughs> okay. In my mind, people are listening. But it's great to have you, Allie. Thank, thank you. Allie Gertz, ladies and gentlemen. That's wonderful to be here. How about keep it going for all of the guests tonight? Allie, Phil Ross, Jenny Zagrino, the band, the fellas, John and John. John and also John. I want to thank all the folks here at uh, Piano Fight for having us in SF Sketchfest. You can get Kelsey Grammer's full audiobook memoirs on audible.com. 
If you do, go to audibletrial slash Radio and start your free trial and free audio book. That would be wonderful. Uh, I've enjoyed my time with you. I will stand with you uh, through all of the next years to come, all of the darkness. I think Deep Night is an appropriate name for everything we're going to go through now for the next four years. But uh, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for making it out tonight. And uh, remember, though, this night might be ending... A bright new day is just ahead. Thank you, San Francisco. There you have it, another wonderful time in the deep night in San Francisco at SF Sketchfest. Thank you for tuning in. This week we'll be back live in New York City on February 22nd at the world-famous Slipper Room. So look for tickets and information about that on DaleRadio.com. Deep Night is written and performed by James Bewley with production assistance from Harvest Works in New York City. Music throughout each episode is provided by the amazing talents on the artistic roster of Howler Hills Farm in the great state of Ohio. Deep Night theme by Zach Gabbard, Season 9 podcast icon and logo designed by Samantha Mash. Download episodes directly through DaleRadio.com or subscribe and review the show on iTunes. Also available on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Follow Dale on Twitter at Dale Radio or Instagram at Dale Seaver for behind-the-scenes peeks into the production of the show and the life of Dale Seaver. Thank you to all the subscribers and supporters of this program, and thanks to you for listening.